0: If you could tell one last story, if you had no more chances to tell any stories ever again, what would that last story be for you? Oh
1: my,
2: that's a scary one. So tough. Do people have answers to this? Yeah, I struggled with this one too.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is a good question.
4: I struggle with this question too.
3: Um, It's so final.
2: Man. That is, I hate that question. I, hate, you I hate, hate his favorite question? I hate his
5: favorite question.
2: <laughs> From
5: cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So...
0: Listen, if you're a new listener, this episode is a great starting point. And if you're a regular, then you're in for a real treat. After more than 50 interviews, one of my favorite moments is still my final question in these conversations. Each of my guests is a storyteller in some way, so this question, it always seems to get them. And I kind of catch them off guard, even when they know it's coming. But I think it's more than just that. See, after all these interviews, one thing that I've come to really kind of realize is that our humanity is tied to our storytelling. See, from the earliest dawn of humankind, we've used story for survival and for connection. It's in us. And with that in mind, can we really separate our storytelling from our existence as humans? Well, I wanted to go back to each episode over this last year and listen to every person's answer to this question. I think it says a lot about each of them, from sharing faith to telling a family story, from the simple to the complex. When I ask, if you could only tell one last story, what would that story be? I am genuinely intrigued and on the edge of my seat for every single answer. And I hope you feel the same way. Listen to these next two episodes of Last Stories and think about what you would want your last story to be. I hope it's a little inspirational and kind of get you thinking here at the end of the year. Without further ado, here are the last stories of our 54 guests of the Storytellers Network Class of 2018. <laughs> Uh, all right, man. So it all comes down to this one for you. Uh, I want to know that if you could only tell one last story, what would that story be?
6: Oh, that made me sad. Um, if I had to tell a story, I would, I would love to tell the stories of, the story of how my dad brought us here and, and filled us with dreams for all of us to my brothers and sisters there's six of us for all of us to become who we've become. We've all become really successful, but I'd love, I would love to tell the story of him leaving with zero and getting us here. And everyone's done that story, but I'd love to tell it regardless because um, the one story I haven't told is the one that I most admire, which is my father um, and his dream to bring us here. Of course my mom, but my dad's vision was to bring us to America, which has given us all so much. And so I would love to tell his story from his perspective and can only hope that he's proud now uh, that hopefully we fulfilled all of his dreams and our own. But that would be my last story if I had to pick one to end the, the ball game with.
0: And is, is he still with us?
6: Yeah, he's still with us. Um, he's getting a little older, mm-hmm. uh, which might be a little bit wide sensitive issue. Uh, like I told you, I just came back to the room that he let me start in, right? <laughs> uh, my company was born in this room. Uh, my dreams were born in this room. And so even kind of talking to you and you telling me that I made it, it it feels weird in this room. (laughs) 30 years later, someone is sort of validating the long journey. uh, And it's almost hard to hear it. Right. Yeah. Uh, So, but uh, I just, um, I just hope that before my dad is gone, that he sees that uh, we fulfilled his dreams. And I would love to at some point uh, make a movie or something about his life.
0: Well, I I hope you do. I think that'd be a fantastic story of, of hope and success and absolutely and everything. So cool. Neil. Hey man, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it very much. But I, but I want to get to this one though. This is my favorite question. If you could only tell one last story, what would that story be? What would it look like? How would you go out with one last story in your life?
7: Yeah. Wow. You know, I think uh, I I have multiple stories, um, but I wouldn't use any of my personal ones. Well, I would probably use my personal ones to tell a a mega story. The story that I would want people to understand or that I would try to convey is that um, you are absolutely more powerful, more smart, more anything that you think that you're not. Um, You have the potential to be great. Um, And you just need to find that thing. You need to find that passion. You need to find that consistency. Um, And then the most important part of this, you need to find that belief in yourself to be able to get to the next level. Like one of the things that just ah, it just gets me is when you can see somebody who feels like they're stuck and then you teach them something or say something to them and you can see that light bulb moment of like, oh, I I can be somebody. And Dan, I think it is because that would be my last story because I go back to The math teacher and telling me I would never amount to anything and me believing for probably the first what I would call half of my life or maybe fourth because hopefully I live a really long time. Um, But but for that, you know, 20 to 26 years, uh, first part of my life, believing like, man, I'm I'm just I'm going to be nothing. Like I'm going to work a dirt job and I'm going to have a dirt house and I probably will never be happy. And I don't deserve to be happy. Like, and then me having the aha moment, that light bulb moment of like, you know what? I'm, I'm destined for something greater than this and I believe it. So now how, if i believe it how do i achieve it right and there's this whole other thing that and if if this if you hear this and this was like ooh i want to know more then you can hit me up on the socials but it comes down to this thing that i i'm starting to go with in my mind is that everybody wants to dream right and we should dream big even though i posted that to people the other day quit dreaming big but there was a reason uh you have to dream big once you have your big dream you've got to Kind of pull that big dream into goals, and then out of those goals, you have to create musts. There's three layers. Like if you if you feel you're destined to be more than you are right now, then those are the three layers. It's dreams, goals, and musts. And that is a mic drop story right there. Boom.
0: Um, that's good, man. I like that that last story of helping. What what it comes back to is helping others see themselves as bigger. Right. Positivity in the world, helping you staying humble. Um, I love it, man. I do want to ask you one last question though. Um, I I want to get, I want to get to your, to your, uh, choke up moment. Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. Um, I want to know (laughs) if you could only tell one last story and be done calling yourself a storyteller and just have to go work at a, just digging ditches. What would that last story be for you?
8: Oh, be a story about a guy who had only one story to tell and had to go dig ditches. <laughs> That'd be tragic. Um, um, you know, I think for me, I think the heart of what you're saying is what's the essence of, of a story that inspires you in some ways, kind of like uh, Sam Phillips telling Johnny Cash in the movie, walk the line, like, what would you say? What song would you sing if you're in a ditch? Um, which that didn't really happen that way. I'm a pretty big student of Johnny Cash. Yeah. And uh, Anyway, <laughs> I'd probably do something about Johnny Cash, actually. Yeah. Uh, I find stories of, of, I think we all are drawn to, like, redemption stories. Um, and I think that's why probably I get excited about, like, anything Johnny Cash, because his life was such a train wreck for so long. And uh, to go out on top, I actually just did, um, I'll answer your question this way, because frankly, I don't know. But here's what I'll <laughs> say. I uh, I did a talk about this at a at an event of like six months ago. I find Johnny Cash's life super fascinating because he did everything he possibly could to ruin it um, in every way. He was an awful husband not only to his first wife, but he was an awful husband to June. She had a tremendous amount of grace for him. Um, he did have a relationship with, with Jesus. And, and, you know, I do think that was true 100%. It seems accurate, but he was a very sinful, vice-filled person. Um, honestly, up until the end. Um, and But, you know, God saw to it that he could stay on earth long enough to have an artistic redemption. And so, um, so you're doing it. I'm getting all choked up a little bit. You can't tell yet, but I am. Um, I did a talk on this, though, because I find it so awesome that the fact that he got to hang on long enough to have an artistic redemption at the end of his career – by working with Rick Rubin and doing the American recordings. And and I think it just really fascinates me because there's so many wonderful artistic celebrities and, you know, people that end up committing suicide or ending their life early because I don't know why I I can't even get in their headspace to think why I want to do that. But like, it's always tragic. And I think at some point deep down, they're having this wager of, you know, should I burn out bright or should I fade away? I think celebrities have such a fear of becoming irrelevant and that can be damaging to an ego who has like had their name in marquees and and had all the fame and glory. And then for their ego to sustain, sustained um, that fall from that peak. So Johnny Cash, very similar to a lot of celebrities whose career fell off from the mid 70s up until about 1995, he was completely irrelevant culturally and just, you know, the progressives who had embraced him earlier in his career rejected him because now he was a Christian and doing things with Billy Graham. And, um, you know, his his work was really weak. Um, his music was really stale and repetitive and, you um, But he got the chance to do these American recordings with Rick Rubin, totally revived his career, got to go out on a high note that I think any artist or or maker would love to do. Think about if you were, you know, 70 years old and putting out the work that's almost the most critically acclaimed work you've ever done, and then you die right after getting all these awards. I'm not saying that that earthly, you know, that earthly accolade should fulfill you but how awesome that is that he got that chance. And if I ever, you know, I'm not one to, you know, say, if I ever go talk to, you know, St. Peter at the pearly gates, I'd love to know, like, why did Johnny Cash get that second chance when he should have died 15 times at least when you read his biography and his autobiography. There's so many crazy stories setting national forests on fire, crawling into a cave, trying to commit suicide, all the drugs. You're just like, how did he hang on and get to do that work? I'm so thankful that he did because we get to have it. We get to hear from this voice for so long. And so that's probably what I'd do. Something about that.
0: It's a great story to go out on. I love that. Redemption. That's a good one. But but I do like to, to find out though, if you could tell only one last story and that was it, and you were done telling stories, what story would that be for you? What would that look like?
9: Oh my god, Dan. That's a really hard question.
0: It's my favorite.
9: (laughs) If I could tell one last story, like and then I'm kaput and that's it.
0: Yeah. Now I I will say this, Billy, you said earlier we're all natural storytellers. So probably you'd never be done. (laughs) But if for some reason, yeah, you could no you could no longer tell stories as a storyteller, what would that be?
9: Wow. Well, I don't know that's a really hard one because it's like my mind is filled with stories for sure. Um, and I keep thinking about like, maybe, maybe, can I do like a story wish? Sure. Yeah. Yeah,
3: So like, I think,
9: I think my story wish as we create this whole new era of storytellers is that, um, you know, it's kind of like seeing these Bay cat young people, storytell storytellers grow up, And as they are able to tell their own stories is, you know, my storytellers wish would be like, it truly creates a ripple effect that more of these beautiful authentic stories are told, uh, and that our world does get better, you know, and, and I think it does come from not fighting each other around these important topics, but really um, finding the commonality and finding common solutions together. I really believe that can happen. So, uh, without putting myself on a spot and trying to think of one last story, that would be my storyteller's wish. How's that? That's perfect. <laughs> and, I, and
0: that would go such a long way to ending racism one story at a time. So oh
9: my God. Like, perfect I, way to wrap it. Yeah. I want the, I want the stories to, to be able to replicate and multi- multiply at a, at an exponential rate so mm-hmm. that we could get to a better place. Now yeah. I'm impatient. Yes,
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I love it. Well, Billy, thank you so much for taking time to tell your story and the story of Baycat. As always, the time goes way too fast. Um, I, I want to ask you my, my big, my, my, my hag my big hairy audacious mm-hmm. goal uh, question. Uh,
9: <clears throat>
0: and I know it's theoretical because you could never stop telling stories <laughs> again. It's in your <laughs> DNA brother. If if you could only tell one last story, whether it's professionally or personally, and, and be done telling stories, what would be your last story that you
10: told? Uh the last story that I told. Um, that's a really uh, that's a really tough one because um, because there are so many. Um, but what I'll tell is, uh, I'm going to tell it. I've been fortunate. I've been I've been married to the same woman for. Uh, for a long time, and she's uh, an amazing friend. And the the stories that we, you know, that we that I tell quite frequently because people say, "Well, how have you been married so long?" And uh, and you know what I don't like is everybody says, "Well, somebody, that your wife should be a saint being married to you for that long." And I don't think I was I was that bad. Um, but the story that I would tell is is it's tied to when we were dating, and the story would be, and this this kind of rings true, so uh, I was living in New Hampshire, and Laura was living down just outside of Boston, and when we were dating, uh, we, we would try to do stuff on the weekends, and she would, uh, so she would come up to Nashua, and where, where I was living, Nashua, New Hampshire, and she would, always, she would always show up with a box of donuts, and uh, so the, the door would knock, cause we, we'd have like a whole Saturday plan of stuff to do. And you know, so there'd be the knock at the door and there's, there's Laura with, with the big brown eyes and the, and the smile in a box of donuts. And you know, we, we'd sit down and we'd, we'd, we'd plan our day. And every single day we made it a journey. And we'd go and discover something that we didn't discover and we'd come back and we, we'd cook together and it just like we talked about earlier we, you know, we did we determined what to cook and we do it together and it was always that level of collaboration you know so the, the story is always about you know you know, the the impact that laura had on me was based on you know her kind of joining the journey and having her story tying it and weaving our stories early on and we realized that the two stories together um, our absolute harmony. So, and I think so. My story is joining the story with, with somebody that I care about. And for everybody out there, it's you know you know, think about it. And you know I've had friends that you know have had some challenges with relationships and things like that. And you know I guess the takeaway is make sure to put the stories back together. And that can be that can be a lot of fun. Really tough question, Dan.
0: You're such a romantic guy at heart, aren't I, you?
10: I, 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 that's the Italian thing. I love it. We, we love our food, we love our romance, and you know, it's just, we're, we're amazing. All right, so this is my favorite part.
0: You know what's coming.
11: I know it's coming, and I, I was already I was trying to gear up for it, <laughs> and I still am striking out. If, you could, if, if somebody told you you can no
0: longer tell stories, that you were done doing that, whether it's professionally or whatever, what would that last story look like for you? Personally, professionally, whatever, what would your
11: last story be that you would share? I did think about this, and I think you know if I had the chance, and and I have half of the chance now, is to go back and tell my mom and dad's story. You know, my mom passed away in two thousand and eleven, and I think you know there's a (sighs) she had an incredible story about me, and and it's not. The story of me, it's more the story of her, how I was born in a snowstorm and in January, and uh, my dad had gotten both cars stuck in the driveway. My mom, having contraction, has to walk two miles to the nearest main road. No, it was about a mile to the nearest main road to where a waiting ambulance that couldn't get down her subdivision street was waiting for her. And um, consequently, I heard about this every birthday. Just an FYI. I've heard about it every <laughs> birthday. And so my mom was walking in my dad's footsteps. And my dad is 6'2". My mom's five one. So yeah. the snow is up to her waist. They get out to this main road. They get it into the ambulance. They're driving down the main road to the hospital. And the gas tank is ripped off of the ambulance by a snowdrift. They're dead. They're just there, dead in the water on this road. And um, and they can't even turn the ambulance on to keep the, the, the ambulance warm because it's got no gas. The, the gas tank's gone. Well, apparently there was a, a house on the corner where, they, where the ambulance had, had stopped. And uh, she offered her home to my mom and dad. So they were in there for a while. And this is old school. This is back in the 60s. <clears throat> and so. Um, <laughs> An orange snowplow came. And uh, one of those big ones that you see. And here my mom is, you know, in contractions, crawling up into a snowplow to get to the hospital to have me. And then um, it got stuck. (laughs) And another snowplow had to come to get the first snowplow out. And the two of them were able to move the snow off to the side enough to get my mom to the hospital. Uh, her obstetrician came in via snowmobile. And um, and, then, and then, so that whole story of having me, and then, <clears throat> as it turned out, 18 hours later, they discovered that I had a birth defect, and they gave me a 50-50 chance of surviving. So I ended up having to go into surgery, and I was at the hospital for a good month. I didn't come home. And that whole story, um, my mom, and I would love... You know, I never got it recorded, but it'd be cool to have her tell that story, you know, Mm
7: -hmm.
11: you know, so that would probably be because, you know, and I know it's about me, but to me, it's more about her and her strength to go through all of that for me. Yeah. So that's, that's my moment. Oh man, I love it.
0: So, uh, I want to know my, my, my big question for you, Rick, uh, is, is if you could only tell, one last story and then you were done being a storyteller what would that story be for you
9: oh boy that's a
2: that's a good one um you guys have some good
12: questions
0: <laughs> thanks that's for, for to to yeah. date myself a little bit that's my barbara walters moment
3: <laughs> oh is it
12: yeah the uh no i you and i both know we both uh who uh barbara walters um, yeah. she, she was an amazing in, interviewer um yeah. You know, that's a—you caught me off guard here. I, uh, (laughs) I, I, uh, because I have a lot of different different stories and things, but um, I, 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 I would just default, and and again, I don't want to be repetitious. Uh, I think probably. For me, what the the highlight of my business career, and I've done a lot of fun things and everything, was when I was able to build the um, uh, Juice Man business and uh, Trillium Health products. And this is back again in the early 90s, but a really funny story on how that first got started uh I, I ran into the, a guy named Jay Kordich who was actually known as a juice man. And again, if any of your listeners are older, he's a guy with a big bushy eyebrows and, and, um, basically, uh, was a fantastic spokesperson for the product. So I was, uh, broke at the time and, and trying to start this business and I ran into, uh, Jay and I, I said, okay, I'll do the business part. You do the talking part. And so the very first thing I did uh was uh, i was able i knew some friends that had a small p r firm in New York and were able to book them on a talk show in in New York called the richard bay show and it was on a, a super station called w w o r and Jay got on there and brought his juicer with him and basically uh created lots of juices and the, and the, it was supposed to be a five minute segment and expanded to about a fifteen minute segment and at the end of the segment uh jay said I just again pre-internet um, uh, send a dollar a pre a pre-addressed stamp envelope with a dollar, and I'll send you out my twelve favorite juice recipes. And the station put our um, post office box address up for about probably twenty-five seconds. And this happened uh, again. This is going back to nineteen eighty-nine, but it happened a week before, right? Right about this time is actually right the the weekend right before the Fourth of July holiday. And so nothing happened for a week. And then right after the 4th of July, the Monday after the 4th of July weekend, uh, a mail truck pulls up outside of our office and a mailman gets out and he has uh, a three foot high canvas sack over his shoulder, looks like Santa Claus, brings it into our office, drops it off, goes back out to the truck, gets another sack, brings it in. In all, they brought four sacks of letters into our (laughs) office and we had 18,000 responses and probably about half of them sent a dollar in. So what we did was, so we had $9,000 that people sent us. We went down to the local printer and we printed up a dozen juice recipes, but also put an order form on the back on how you could order a machine, mailed that out to the 18,000 letters, and enough people ordered juicers from that initial mailing that we were able to start the business. So um, that's a fun story that I like to, to tell about how we started the uh, Trillium Health products in the juice business.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I could just picture it from walking like Santa Claus. Wait, how many ba- How many bags? Like, that's awesome. And om- almost by yeah. accident, it sounds like, you know? Yeah, I mean, a- I mean-
12: absolutely. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there were a lot of things that just came together correctly and oh. the fact that the TV station, you know, put up our post office address and, uh, you know, and then we just basically uh were able to take advantage of of the interest in it and and respond to it and and again you know from a marketing perspective that's a great story and if there was an internet uh back when we were doing it we would have basically sent people to a website and 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 logistically everything would have been more simply so the (laughs) techniques still work uh the delivery vehicles have just changed
0: So, so even though you're only an aspiring storyteller, uh, maybe you haven't told enough stories to be done yet. But if somebody said to you, Rand, you're done telling stories, what would your last story be that you'd want to go out on? So what would that look like for you? Um, I mean, it it would it would definitely be um, it would definitely be the story of my my sort of romance with Geraldine. Yeah.
9: Like,
0: that is so far the, the thing that I am most
7: proud of in my life. The thing that brings me the most joy. Um, yeah. And maybe a story that I haven't talked about very much. That
0: would be a good, I would, I would listen to that story.
13: Yeah. <laughs> it's a, that's a worthwhile story to tell.
0: So if you love story, obviously you're very good at it, but if somebody said to you, all right, Nick, you can only tell one last story and then you're done telling stories what would that look like for you? I'd tell him no.
13: <laughs> um, <laughs> that's uh, a good story.
14: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I would love at some point um, to find a way to, to tell, uh, I mean, just based on my faith, the story of the gospel in a way that's really digestible, you know, and uh, not that God didn't do a good job with the Bible. It's just, you know, it's, I even find it hard to read, you know, it's just, a lot of it's just archaic language. And so, you know, without changing the spirit of it or the message or whatever, uh, I would love to find a way to tell that in a, in in a digestible format. And even if it wasn't digestible to any, everybody to some portion of the world that was more digestible than the current format.
0: That's a great answer, man. I love it. It's, it's funny. I I did not set out to create a faith-based podcast, but so many people I talked to, have strong faith in some way. And that's just, yeah. that's awesome, man. God, God is good. So
14: yeah, we got to have faith in something, man.
0: Yeah, you know? and
14: so It's like at the end of the day, like I have many friends who are non-believers or atheists or people of other religions, but you know, when, and I, that's totally cool. I love it. I mean, I, I, Jesus taught me, said to love them. That's what I'm gonna do. And so, uh, and, and not that I'm better than them or more right than them, whatever. But the thing that anytime you get down to it, people have faith in something. Cause what the first atom created more atoms? Like, no, you, you, have, you're having faith in something happened. You just don't, you just don't, you have science to get to the end of your rope and I have a different way of getting there.
0: the time always goes way too fast when I'm in a great conversation. But uh, uh, before, before I let you go, I want to ask you my, my big question. This is my, my favorite one. Um, it, you are a storyteller professionally, personally, obviously you're obsessed with story, but if someone told you that you could tell no more stories, what, Uh, But, but one last one, what would that last story be for you?
2: Oh, wow. Oh my gosh, Dan, that is such an amazing question Um, that you've taken me off guard. And I have to think (laughs) about what would that, what would that amazing story be? You know, it would probably be about my family, I guess, you know, I would want to leave, um, the world with, you know, the story of my family and, um, you know, the good things that they've done in the world and where they are, that may sound, um, from a selfish perspective, you know, that, that would have value. I would love to, to do a story about my mom. You know, she was a nurse for many years um, and did some, some amazing things in, in her philanthropic, in her philanthropic life. And then from a um, non-selfish perspective, uh, I would love to be able to tell more stories about the, the people who are um, not able to physically travel. Some of the veterans that we encounter you know, on a, a, a weekly basis who aren't able to get out and, and do more things. Those, we're losing those guys at a rate of 500 a day nationwide, less than that because many of them have now passed away. World War II veterans are passing away at an alarming rate. And pretty soon all of those stories are gonna be gone. And there are great efforts underway to try to capture them before they go. But that would be, you know, um, if I had the ability to wave a magic wand, I would say I would want all of those veteran stories to be captured um, in a way that, you know, people could truly understand what they went through and the sacrifices that they made for their, their country um, so long ago. Hmm.
0: So basically you, you, you won't stop telling stories, what that comes down to, <laughs> which
2: is great, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> no. And even, you know, even though I'm not working at a TV station anymore and under a deadline of, of turning stories, you know, as a, a business person and, um, with our product helium, you're always, a, you're always a storyteller. Hmm. Always.
0: So if somebody said to you, Dominic, you're all done telling stories, you can't be a storyteller anymore. Um, but you can tell one last one. We'll give you one more. What, what, uh, what would that last story be for you?
15: That story. Hmm. Uh, that's quite a question. Um, the the way I, the way I would tell it is
10: that whatever you wanna achieve it's possible. So many people have come from
15: nothing far you know far less you know far less talented, far less educated, far less um, fiscal resources, and they've achieved great things j k. Rollins lived in her car abraham lincoln lived in a log cabin (laughs) so you start to see and that that would be to me my story that i would like to share is just that whatever you set out to achieve it is possible and i hope that i can help people achieve those things i hope that i can change the world and uplift people and we'll see what happens (music)
0: Um, it's been a pleasure, Luke. Uh, you know, we, we got introduced by mutual friend, uh, Chris Tatum, and I think it was a wise introduction. I uh, appreciate you. taking time today. I want to, before I let you go, uh, two things. Number one, I want to find out if if you were told tomorrow that you could n- tell no more stories, mm. what, what would be your last story you'd want told?
7: Um, I think I would want to, I, uh, do something about the polar region. Uh, this is an area that I'm always, has have always been fascinated about and have always just, that's like my end all beyond. I've always joked that like, if I get to do a story about polar bears, that'll be my last thing because there's no point of ever shooting more because it can't get better than that. <laughs> um, and probably a little exaggeration, but I think that, um, and obviously there's the, you know, the climate change side of everything like that. But for me, it's just the passion, like I am passionate about that region of the world. I'm passionate about, so yeah, the changes going on there and as well as just the inhabitants of that uh, all the, the animals. And I think it's just a fascinating region. So I think telling a story about that, um, the human animal relationship up there, it would really be, yeah, my number one uh, story that I'd love to tell.
0: That's a great one to go out on. Um, so I want to, I want to ask you the big one. This is going to stump you. Maybe, maybe not. If, uh, if somebody told you, uh, Mike, you're all done telling stories, man, you got to find something else to do professionally. Uh, or just personally, what would that last story look like for you? What would, what would you want to go out on with, with one last story?
1: It had to be something in the the nonprofit sector, some kind of a do good story. That's going to be like saving the world from this. I don't know. Or, you know, some kind of a fundraising that, you know, ends children homelessness, (laughs) you know, like some kind of a PSA type of a thing that just,
0: Go viral and uh, makes a social impact somehow. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time today, This has been fascinating. It's great to reconnect. I want to I want to wrap up with one more though before I let you go. Yep. Uh, you're not getting off the hot seat yet. <laughs> if uh, If somebody said to you, "All right, Ed, you're all done being a storyteller. You got to go do something else," and you had to tell your one last story, what would that story be for you going out on?
9: What would be my last story to tell? Wow.
8: You know what? It wouldn't have to be something epic, as far as grandiose. It would have to be well written first of all. It has to be well shot and edited. It'd have to be something in it that would make people think, something that was said or something in the script. And I want something visual that somebody's going to go, Wow, that's really cool. Whether it's a creative shot, creative editing, creative use of some other visual element. So. That's a good question. That's a real stumper, but I just want it to be clean, concise, and impactful. And I think that'd be a good way to go out without, you know, I don't need fanfare. I just want to go out as, as somebody that maybe did what he loved and did it well. And hopefully people can see that and sense that in the work as they watch it.
0: It's mm. a great way to, That would be a great way to go out for sure. And and I guess maybe the, the lesson is we we as storytellers strive for that every day so that if it is our last story, we went out with quality, right?
13: Absolutely, no question about it.
0: Uh, this has been more fun than you can imagine, my friend. Uh,
16: Stop! Oh my gosh! I Thank you, I've had I feel like yeah, I feel like we're just I feel like time has just flown by, and I've just realized I've taken up like an hour of your time just I, like prattling.
0: You could take up many more. Uh, this is a lot of fun. If I was, Aww, if I you. was closer, you may have to uh, have a double date with my wife and me and, and Randy. <gasps> this is a lot of fun.
16: I love double um, dates. <laughs> I do. Uh, I think if I make it to
0: so Seattle, much- I'll let you know.
16: <laughs> please do. Please do. I would uh, love that.
0: But I, I, I want to wrap up with, with my last question, my big one. Yeah. This, this is my, my fun one. This is for me. Okay. Um, you're, you're a storyteller. But if you were yes. told that you could only tell one last story and be done telling stories specifically, what would that story be?
16: Why do I want to cry? Um, <laughs> that is, um, I'm like so emotional by just that question. Wow. I could tell one last story. I think it would be the story about my first date with Rand. Which I've told before, but I think it would be that. Yeah. Yeah, and I've told that story so many times. Um, But yeah, the story of how I met my husband is one of my favorite ones. So it would probably be that. But I want to cheat, and I want to say that I would tell – story of my relationship with my husband in real time, or, you know, like, and then, like, I have to keep telling it until that story ends, so, you know, like, but um, yeah, I think I would tell, I think I would tell the story of my first date with Rand if I had one last story left to tell, Uh, which is funny because I basically told it in the book, (laughs) so, um, but I don't know, for some reason that made me that made me super emotional. That made me so sad to think about. Glad wow. I was, yeah, I, I need to, I might need to reflect on that one. What's your answer? Do you have an answer to that?
0: I, you know, it's funny because I've, after almost 40 interviews, I've heard everybody's different answers. Mm-hmm. i heard so many good ways to say that and, and what that would be. One of my favorite was the, the um, I asked uh, Al Gutler uh, how what his would be, and he said it would be whatever happened yesterday. I was like, "What do you mean? Like literally yesterday?" He's like, "No, whatever happened yesterday, because I'm always telling stories. So whatever happened yesterday impacted me in some way. I would tell that whatever that was. Like, wow. Um, or uh, I, uh, yeah, any, yeah, they've all been incredible. And so I think for wow. me, I think for me at this point, at this particular point, my answer would be. Um, I would want to tell a story about what I've learned from talking to storytellers. I would want to take all of this information over 40 interviews or whatever Mm -hmm. and share one story about that with people to inspire and change their lives Mm
16: -hmm. so
0: that I could go out on a high note.
16: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think for me, like so much of my life is around so much of my life centers around like this love story that i have with my husband right so much of it um, that if i only had one story left to tell mm. i just can't imagine that it would be anything but that one yeah
0: i love it that, that's really that's that's powerful and it shows me that it's okay to be a romantic
16: yeah, I mean, I'm a very cynical romantic, so it works, right? <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I think I'm very realistic about it. I'm like, yeah. But um, what this reminds me of is uh, there's a Donna Tart book, and I can't remember the name of it, The Secret Society, hmm. but there's a line in it where he's telling a story, and he says, um, he says something to the effect of... Uh, I realized like this is the story I'm telling because basically I've looked at my life and I realized there's no other story left to tell. Mm. And I just thought that was such a powerful statement. I was like, wow. So
9: yeah,
16: yeah.
0: that's a good one. I love it. Yeah, I like thank that you line. so much. Yeah. Now, thank you for having me. That's cool. um, So, so you, you use video, you use web, you use speech, uh, audio, you use all these different things to tell a story. But if somebody said to you, Sam, you can only tell one last story what would that last story look like for you?
15: I really should have read your prep doc. <laughs> uh, you know, um, what story would that be? If I'm going to tell, if, if I'm going to tell, if, if I, I, you know, I can, I can only tell one story. I, uh, I was, uh, I was in college and I went back to high school. I was doing a, a project where I was interviewing like teachers or something like that. I don't remember what it was, you know, and I go and I I'm interviewing a bunch of kids in the honors classes and the AP classes and everything else like that. And you know, those kids are very impressive, very smart, very hardworking. Uh, and, but you know, it's kind of easy for them, right? Like uh, I slept through my entire AP language class and still got a perfect score on the exam. Um, and that's neat. But then I was talking to this other kid, uh, who was in high school and, you know, I I was asking him, you know, like he's, he wants to join the Marines and stuff like that. Right. And, and he, and I'm like, you know, why are you, you know, what, how do you feel about math? You know, a lot of people say, you know, why should I bother learning math? I'm never going to use this. Um, and he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to do pushups on the battlefield. I still do pushups. Uh, and he busted his butt, you know, working really, really hard to get his like C average. Um, you know, and I think that I've, I've always remembered that kid. I've always remembered that story versus all of the other, like smart slackers that I had met that are kind of funny. Right. And it's funny to tell stories about, and I was one of them, right. Um, you know, versus somebody who doesn't do as well, but tries a lot harder. They have the resilience, they have the strength, the character, um, you know, and, and, and especially to have that level of maturity to be like, you know, I'm, he's functionally, he's doing pushups for his brain by learning something he's never going to use, uh, in the future. Um, I think that is a kid that I think about a lot as somebody that I respect a lot more than somebody who's just smart. So congratulations, whether nature or nurture, you managed to become a genius. Like that's nice and all. Um, I'm, I'm way more impressed by people who actually have to work for
0: it. Like that kid. If somebody told you now, maybe this would be easy for you because you don't label yourself as a storyteller, but if somebody said to you, all right, Michael Stelsner, you're done telling stories. Give us one last one. What would your last story look like?
4: Holy cow. My last story. My last story would take place on the ridge of the Grand Canyon on the Northern Ridge. I had, I was, well, to back up a, a few hours earlier in the day, I was at the top of the ridge and it was snowing and I didn't have gloves. So I took my socks off, put them on my hands and started hiking down the Grand Canyon. About a third of the way down, a sign says, if you don't have a gallon of water, you likely will die and we will not airlift you out. Are you sure you want to keep going? I decided to keep going. As I'm coming down the canyon, I see people coming up out of the canyon looking like they're dead and I'm thinking, you're just not as prepared as I am, folks. So eventually get to the flat part of the Grand Canyon with some of my buddies and it's now time to start going up. And I was like, that wasn't that hard. Of course i have been going down thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of steps. Now it's time to start going up those steps. And eventually I start realizing all the training that I had been doing was for nothing. I, my heart did not, my, my physical stature, even though I was like 21 and in the best shape of my life, I was not prepared. And eventually, uh, my friends start getting ahead of me and I start watching donkeys come past me and I'm thinking, man, there's some wisdom in the people that took those donkeys. I find a little tree. I yell to one of my friends, hide some, hide some of that dried fruit you know, in the next tree because it's going to be a while. Eventually, I get to the top and um, as I'm coming out of that canyon, I see people just heading down for the night and I'm thinking to myself, you have no clue what you're in for. and Eventually crashed. And I think that that experience is a metaphor for my life because that experience is one of we are never, ever prepared for what's around the bend. Yet sometimes we just got to go for it. And sometimes we got to rely on our friends. And I don't know why that would be the last story I would tell, but that's the one that came into my brain because it's just kind of a nutso story that it's a true story that happened to me and there's so many little sub stories that I could tell but I would tell the story of the Grand Canyon just because it's a cool story
0: and inspirational and educational and everything I know about you yeah that you strive for so that's a good one man if somebody said to you James you're done telling stories you got to find something else to do what would that last story be for you to go out on do you think
4: Oh, I like to go out in flaming glory, huh? The uh, day would, would be the story of how my kids make it out of the house. Everybody wants to know what I'm going to do when my kids graduate when they grow up. So that would be the final tale I tell of how I how I made that. I got that final kid out of the house without ruining them. That would be my finish line. Without ruining them. I love it. Man, this has been fascinating. I,
0: I, again, I, I go back to the idea that I, I love that how you use social media. to to tell stories, to highlight stories, to help others, to inspire. So well done there. If, uh, before I let you go though, if, if you could only tell one last story and you were done telling stories, what would that story be?
14: It would be my own story because I, I know, I know it well, I mean, we all know know our own stories. And so, um, you know, I would say, where did I come from and and where am I? And, um, and again, you know, I, to tell you where I came from and, and, um, uh, but for the grace and love of God coming in and transforming my life, um, I know where I would be and it would be no place good. And so I'm, I'm, that's the story I'm going to tell to the people There's nothing mm-hmm. good that I've done. Anything good, anything that looks well on me, it's not anything I've done. Um, and I'm just thankful for the ability to tell, tell that.
0: So story of faith, of gratitude and of adversity. That's a good one. Somebody said to you, "All right, Scott, we're all done telling stories. You can't do it anymore professionally. You can't be a storyteller. But you've got one last one you can go out on. What would that story look like for you? Do you think?"
13: Oh my gosh, I, to not tell stories. I mean, that's that's the way <laughs> our humanity. Um, oh boy. You know one of the this is one of the stories I've shared for many, many years, and it's one that I think tells, uh, tells a great deal about the leadership that I dealt with at Ford. It was December of 2008, and for, <coughs> excuse me, the, the communications team at Ford was hosting a media scrum, a, 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 a media event uh, the month prior to the big. Detroit Auto Show, and all of the media were in town, about 200 of them, they were getting briefed on the cars that we were launching, and the, the double doors to the showroom burst open, and in walk, Alan Mulally, the CEO, and Bill Ford, the chairman, the great grandson of Henry Ford, shoulder to shoulder, these two giants of the industry walk in. And, you know, they were immediately surrounded by everyone. It was just, you know, kind of like the, I'm dating myself here, but the uh, the old Bugs Bunny cartoon where the hounds uh, are chasing after uh, the, the rabbit. And, they, you know, they're just all in a clump, right? And they're kind of moving along they're together. And I, I, I was tweeting at the time, you know, just to my own audience. This is before Ford had a, a well-established Twitter account. And I said, Oh my gosh, you know, Bill Ford and Alan Mulally just walked in the room and somebody from my Twitter audience, God bless them. They said, Hey, can you get them to answer any questions on Twitter? And I go, well, oh, it's fascinating. I never thought of doing that before. Like kind of a play by play or an interview through Twitter. Uh, and again, December of 08, very, very early days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where Twitter felt like a village. So I went up to Alan's uh, communications director and I said, Hey, do you think Alan would take some questions from the Twitter audience? Like he is from these, these, uh, media, uh, after he's done, she goes, yeah, catch him when he comes out. So the scrum breaks, Alan comes out uh, and I go, Hey, Alan, he goes, Hey Scott, how you doing? You just friendliest guy, you know, really made, made it a point to know you. Uh, and I said, Alan, uh, we've got some folks that would like you to take questions on twitter would you do that and he goes oh absolutely wow. what's twitter <laughs> go, what's twitter so you know i explained to him and he goes oh that's that's great that's great so right there i saw that we had a leader who he got in his spirit he he understood the power of communication it didn't matter what platform it was he wanted to participate so we, uh, we went through about five or six questions and, and then a question came up that said, what kind of car does Alan drive? And I go, "Uh oh, this might be like a security issue. Like, I, I don't know if he's got like guards that are with him all the time and they, they, they don't make his route known or whatever.
9: Uh-huh.
13: And, um, and I turned to his communications director, I go, can we, can we ask him this? And she goes, watch this, ask him. I go, all right, Alan, what kind of car do you drive? Scott and he grabs he grabs my arm and he shakes it emphatically with with every word he goes i drive a different car every day and i go oh that's awesome you drive the whole lineup of all the ford lincoln uh, vehicles and he and he tightens his grip on my wrist and he goes no i drive the competition too <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Right. I mean, because at the time the Detroit automakers were thought to be so myopic and so in their own lane that they didn't care about what the rest of the world was doing. And the fact that Allen took the time to have competitors cars delivered to him so he could see what they were doing and he could ensure that Ford could beat them at it was revolutionary. And it was all because he was willing to answer questions on Twitter. Man, That's incredible. That's a, that's a story to go on for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thank can, you. I'm can, like
17: fired can, up can, now, you Dan. You are.
0: I, I could go on for hours, but we don't have that kind of time. I want to, I want to give you one last chance. One, one last question here. Um, I like to end on this one and, and hopefully I, I get you. Um, if, if somebody told you, Alicia, you are done telling stories. Okay. What would your last story be?
17: Oh, how, how would you man. go? Off? Seriously. Oh gosh. What would my last story be?
0: Or what would it look like? Oh, how would you want to go out? What would that, what would that be? For
17: right. You? Gosh, you know what? I think it would have to be something about if, if it's here, it would have to be something about like a love letter to Metro Detroit and Michigan. Um, you know, I, I was in Kalamazoo Grand Rapids for five years, as you know, and then I've been here in, in Metro Detroit for 12 years. I met and married my husband here. I'm putting down roots here. I love it. And, and people have been absolutely gracious and welcoming to me. I mean, obviously, we're all homers, you know, once you're here, you know, you you have that Detroit pride and that Michigan pride. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure, you know, having not been born here, you know, if, if I would be accepted. And I have been. People are wonderful. They are absolutely wonderful. Michiganders are some of the most generous people You'll ever meet anytime. Like you know, we have the Mega March for Animals for the Michigan Humane Society coming up. People come out of the woodwork to come walk with us. Uh, Whether it's Race for the Cure in Detroit or even in Kalamazoo, we always had uh, folks show up for that and support great causes. Uh, You name it: Make a Wish, Michigan Epilepsy Foundation of Michigan, some of the causes that I've been, you know, fortunate enough to work with, Um, and now the the Sky Foundation to, to fight pancreatic cancer. Just some of the the many uh, organizations I've worked with, Habitat for Humanity, um, I I absolutely feel like people have opened up their arms and uh, welcomed the efforts that um, myself and my colleagues have done to try to better the community and tell the best stories we could. And at the end of the day, it's the stories about all of them. And when they turn on the TV in the morning to start their day, to put on their makeup with uh, me and my team in the background or to fix their kids breakfast before they catch the bus or you know to to see what the weather's going to be like before they run outside for a jog if they're doing it with us whether it's on TV whether it's on social media uh, that is such a privilege and honor and that would be probably what my 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 final farewell would have to be all about because it's just um, gratefulness from my heart uh, to everyone in this area for being so
0: good to me. That's awesome. That's a great way to go out. I love that Michigan pride. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome. Even though you, were, you you weren't born here, we love having you here.
17: Thank you so much, Dan. Awesome. And it's great to see you too. And,
0: and, and I know you consider yourself a storyteller, but sort of not because you want to be helpful, not just a storyteller. But somebody said to you, all right, Steph, we're done telling stories. You got to do something else. What would be the last story you'd want to, to go out on? What would that look like? What would it be? How would, how would that be for you?
5: Oh, man. You really aren't going to let me off easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the last story I can tell. Hmm. That's really interesting. I got to go back and listen to every episode. Have you asked this on every episode? I have. I'm going to go back and listen to the end of all the episodes I haven't listened to. <laughs> just to
0: hear. Actually, you know what I'm thinking about doing? Like truly, like just, so I'm thinking about for the, at the end of the year when I've got basically no more guests and everybody's on Christmas break or whatever and they just want to binge on stuff putting together a highlight reel of that answer for every single Yes. Segment.
5: That's a really, that would make me right. want to go back and listen to the other All one. Right. So you definitely right. do that. I'm going to do that. Uh, Cause I've only listened to a couple and now I'm, now I'm, now I'm hooked. Oh man, oh man. I like my, I don't want to say this, but like, I don't have any, I don't have a story good enough to tell to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the story will be the story of my wedding that's about to happen. And I'll, uh, I'll tell it next time.
9: There you go.
5: Uh, I think if I could only tell one more story, Aside from like my most recent airport horror story experience, I would probably tell the story of how my mom managed to unite our entire neighborhood when I was little around a holiday that no one else celebrates and bring kids together to perform and parents together to watch from all around our neighborhood, like 50 kids 150 people in the audience to celebrate the first full moon after the first day of fall. Wow. That's
0: and really if you cool. want to hear the
5: rest of it, I guess you'll have to come ask me about it. <laughs>
0: All right. I'll have to come to Chicago then real soon.
5: Cause I that's feel awesome. like it's uh, it's not the story that's changed my life, but it's definitely something that's guided me through my life.
0: And it sounds like maybe it's an inspiration, be, you know, y- your mom did this to be, to be kind, to connect to do something cool and and like that's what you do now as as a career. I th- I feel like so
5: yeah, and it's big I, surprise, my mom's in marketing too.
0: So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> now, if if somebody were to tell you that okay, you're you're all done telling stories, you've you've done it for a while, you got to move on to something else. What would that last story look like for you?
3: Hmm. How do you mean, Dan?
0: How would how would you go out if you could no longer be a storyteller? Is is that even possible? I guess. I mean. I, that's, I like asking this question because I like hearing what people's last story might be, what it might look like, how they'd go, go out in a flaming, whatever. Okay. Is, so, is, it even, uh, is it
3: even possible? No, it's not possible because we are continual storytellers. It's, it's the nature of that neocortex, that brain that I was telling you. Mm-hmm. But if I reframe the question with your permission, Dan, sure. what story do I think I would like as a legacy Mm. Uh, I would like to tell you a story. It's a, not that short an anecdote, but it's an interesting story. Uh, one of the one of the reasons I felt like I was qualified to write seven stories, and it's an interesting thing when you start to be an author is you you have these feelings of self doubt, like, you know, is there anything I have to say, right? Yes. (laughs) Why would, why would anyone want to even read it? You know? And I've had an experience that few salespeople have, and and it's more by nature of my adventurous character. So you've kind of heard that I've lived and worked all over the world. And I have also jumped from industry to industry. So I've found myself in this sort of situation that every new salesperson finds themselves, which is, you know, nothing. You don't know about your company's products and services. You haven't got a clue about your client and you, you have to sell something. You've got this target, right? So, and this is a very confronting situation. Well, I've put myself through that five times and, and that's unusual, right? Most people find a comfort area of business and they stick there. Right. And what I've discovered is that, um, That there are stories that you need. You need to seek out these stories. You need to be able to tell your company story. What is this company I'm working for? Who the hell are they? You know, how do I tell that story? Because that's what your client also wants to hear. They don't know your company. So when I was work, I I went from selling high technology to selling cooking and cleaning and catering services in the oil and gas and mining industry. But we're not talking small contracts. We're talking 20, 30, 100 million contracts. And what I noticed in these contracts, this is in Australia, mostly in remote Australia, big, big mining camps, tens, 30,000 people, big mining camps and oil and gas camps. What I noticed in our contracts was we had a requirement to hire a certain proportion of indigenous people. So in Australia we have about 1.5% of our population are the original Australian inhabitants that have been here for 50,000 years. You have something similar in the United States, many countries have that situation. So there would be like this 5, 10, 15% requirement for for hiring locals and it was in the contract and I was bidding on these big tenders and what I noticed almost immediately was we were non-compliant. We we had a target of 10 we hit 2. And I was so I you know, the engineer, you know, how is that? Why is that? And I got this sort of not very satisfactory answer, which was, it's impossible. We can't hit that target. So I started asking the clients, you know, so, you know, you've, you've put this in the tender. Why are you asking for that? And, you know, what does it really mean for you? And what I found was that they really wanted to hit those targets, but they hadn't figured out how and none of their contractors had either. They, they essentially put it out as like a hopeless problem. You know we try and we fail and so i had that kind of mullying around you know and if it's that's the, like and for me with sales like an unsolved problem is something that that keeps going in my mind and then i noticed one of our contracts which was up in the far northwest of western australia in an area called the kimberley and there's a mine there that that mines it's just about to finish production actually it mines one of the fewest one of the only places in the world that mines pink diamonds and um it's called argyle and they had nearly 50 percent indigenous uh, participation in a hundred man workforce and i'm like wow how do they do that and so i'm back in headquarters in melbourne no one really knew so i go well i'm going to go and find out so i flew there and i met the contract manager john musty and i'm like well how do you manage to do this and he took me through this you know explaining to me what it's like he said mike These people, the first problem I have is I get their application and a huge proportion of them have a criminal record. And we have a corporate rule that says you can't hire people with a criminal record. And so does the mining customer, right? So, uh, you know, that's first strike. So I go to the head of security and I say, look, you know, I've met this person. I'll vouch for them. They'll be inside the camp. They'll be okay. So I get past that. And then the next thing is um, they've never worked before. They've never held down a job. So I split all of the jobs down into the tiniest little task. Maybe it's making a bed. You're going to learn how to make a bed for the next few days. And then I add the tasks and then I get them out, multiple tasks. And then finally, after a few months, they can do every job in the camp. And then the next problem, they'll come to me and say, there's been a death in the family. And it's they come from very big tribal groups and They have very high levels of of accident and injury and they're expected to go to funeral. And for one thing, they have money and they're expected to fund the funeral. Actually, She's like, well, do you have to go? And he says, sometimes you can see in their eyes that they don't really want to go. And so then it's okay. They help. He helps them. So they don't need to go. But if they have to go here, the next question is, well, how long do you have to go for? And they'll say two days. He said, okay, there'll be a car there waiting to bring you back to the camp after two days. And what he was laying out for me dan was someone who wanted to solve the problem and this is like the enlightenment for me was ah the other camps they don't actually want to solve this problem they want to use all of the excuses there are and there are many to not hire these people but what i saw was that when you get a when you get to 50 50 and you look about look at how the indigenous people interact with the non-indigenous people they sit together at lunch they're friendly they're sharing jokes they they're not just like the one token or two token indigenous people they're just part a normal part of the workforce and that was inspiring and 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 i used that story dan to win contracts and to change the way people think about how we hire indigenous people and, and i love that story
0: if i could If somebody said to you, all right, Park, you're done. You're done being a professional storyteller. You can't tell any more stories. What would you go out on? What kind of a story would you tell? What story would it be? What would it look like? How would you end your storytelling persona?
13: Oh, my God. (laughs) Hopefully, um, I would become somehow and magically an Olympic snow skier because I absolutely love snow skiing. And I said, you know what? I'm not teaching story anymore. If you want to find me, I'll be up on the slopes or in the bar, and we'll share a beer and have a story there. There you go, absolutely. (laughs) That's such a great question, Dan. I don't know how. That was the first thing that popped into mind. Now you're going to make me think about that all night long.
0: That sounds like a great story. If you think of anything different, should be a message. But that was a great story. And if you do want to go skiing, uh, Michigan isn't the best place for
8: skiing, but
0: you know we have winter here, so come on up. Sean, if somebody told you today that you could tell no more stories and that tomorrow you're done, you got to find something different to do. What would your last story look like for you? What would you want to go out on?
1: Oh, gee, what am I want to go out on? You know, I mean, there's, there's the, for stories to be interesting, they sort of have to touch on those big themes of life. Right. And, uh, you know the the stories that I would I would I would go out on it would be you know the stories of probably the stories of my family. I mean they're, they're one of the things that you know mean the most to me, and uh, you know to be able to share a you know a story. There's so many, but I mean the one we touched on at the very beginning, you know, of my father being a U.S. Marine and and uh, and his his you know I'm, this is apropos of nothing really, but except for the fact that You know, he had this opportunity when, after the Kennedy assassination happened, uh, him and three other uh, riflemen... Now, Dad was a a sharpshooter. He was... uh, Before he even joined the Marines, he was the the top shooter in New Jersey. So, you know, like, he was, you know, very good at what he did. He said it was one of the worst decisions he ever made was to tell the Marines he was a sharpshooter because he ended up with really shitty jobs, I think, uh, shooting people from a distance, I suppose. But, uh, yeah. um, but the, after that happened, they actually erected a, a big tower, the same height as the, the book depository. And uh, they had a moving vehicle and they were all given uh, the rifle that was used, the Italian rifle that was used by, uh, you know, in the shooting. And, you know, it was a bold action rifle. And he said that, you know, Dad was a, a, a good shot, but they had an Olympic level shot. You know, guy there and they all had a go at it and none of them came anywhere near uh hitting the target right for the distance and the, and the and the equipment they were using and so they wrote up their report and they handed it in to the warren commission sort of you know with the idea that it'll all be worked out and they'll sort of um uh you know come to the right conclusion and of course when they got the result they went what happened there you know so anyway the best laid plans of mice and men right
0: <laughs> right right
1: <laughs> so,
0: so sharing sharing your dad's legacy would be a, a good way to go out i think that's, i think so that's i think absolutely. so. absolutely plenty of those stories So close the chapter on 2018 for the Storytellers Network podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, if this is your first exposure, be sure to go back and listen to the full interviews. As great as those last stories really are, the full conversation for each storyteller really brings something different to the journey of telling our stories better. Uh, inspiration, real world applications and advice, create personal stories from amazing storytellers who bless me with the conversations. Uh, it has been a pretty amazing year. Visit the storytellersnetwork.com for those episodes uh, and other resources to inspire and help. And if you like what you've heard, please let me know with a review. Uh, I'm a very needy creator and artist and I thrive on those compliments. Uh, just kidding, mostly, uh, but you can leave those reviews to show others that you've found a good podcast and check out the show on Facebook and Instagram for notifications of new episodes right in your social media. You can share from there as well, or you can text storytellers to 31996 to get yourself set up with subscribing to the show. Now I truly do appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, very real. This is a personal passion of mine and can feel kind of isolating and lonely as I produce this all on my own with no like immediate feedback. So it's good to know that I do have listeners out there. So feel free to send a message and connect. And here's to the next season, Uh, inspirational storytellers like motivational speakers, amazing photographers, and others who inspire with their craft. That's season five of the Storytellers Network, inspirational storytellers. Until then, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers.